0: And though the road is rocky, I'm looking to try the next mile to bring sight to the blind man. It's down to the left child, we will survive. In this time, we will in this. Swimming through the waters above and not like a rebel fish. Journalist, specialist, predator, and survivalist. Living heaven, fight for his lips. Burn the same driver.
1: Is the principal thing, therefore get wisdom. Thought I get and get an understanding. Again, welcome to the program this evening with your host, Brother Elliot and Brother Richard. The number to reach us to join the conversation this evening is 215 32 That's two one five We're streaming live at several locations. You can go to timeforanawakening.com, which is the homepage and catch the live stream at that location. You can go to black. BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com forward slash Time for an Awakening. Again, that's www.BlackTalkRadioNetwork.com forward slash Time for an Awakening. Catch the live stream there. Also, we're streaming live at com forward slash Time for an Awakening. That's A-B-I-B-I-T-U-M-I forward slash Time for an Awakening. And the live stream should be playing there. Or you can download the TuneIn Radio app to of your devices. TuneIn is a free app. On that TuneIn search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening. There you'll see the icon. You can stream the program live, even into your car, if you had a Bluetooth capabilities or the auxiliary connection. Again, that's Time for an Awakening radio program with a live stream on the TuneIn app. Drop us an email at Awakening at gmail.com. Again, that's timeforanawakening at gmail.com. Time for an Awakening also has a fan page on Facebook. In that Facebook search engine, just type in Time for an Awakening Radio Program. There you always see interesting content being posted daily by myself or Brother Richard. And do me a favor, before you leave that page, just hit that like button. That's Time for an Awakening Radio Program with the fan page on Facebook and Time for an Awakening Media is also there. Always full of the latest podcasts of the various programs on Time for an Awakening Media. Interesting articles that you can read, download at later times and share with your friends. Also, check out that Time for an Marketplace and our partnership with the BB2ME. Always interesting things in the marketplace all the time. Various African language classes, classes on education, economics, social systems, health, and much, much more being taught by professors on both the continent and in the diaspora. So, again, make that one of your favorites. Put that in your address bar. That's for Timeforanawakening.com will take you straight to Time for Awakening. Media is 808 You're on this uh, cold and windy Friday evening on the uh, Freestyle Friday edition of Time for an Awakening, uh, the calendar date, January 20th, 2023. I guess this evening, in conversation with us for the time we can, that we'll have her on, I guess this evening, activist, organizer and Newback Panther Party, cha- Buffalo chapter, Sister Taniqua Simmons is with us this evening to kind of give us an update on things going on in Buffalo with our, with our brothers and sisters up there and any other information that she wants to share with the time for an awakening audience. Uh, we'll be right back to get the program started after a brief word from our sponsors.
2: Mr. Moderator, our distinguished guests, Brothers and sisters, our friends, and and our enemies. Everybody is here.
3: You are listening to Time for an Awakening Media, part of the Black Talk Radio Network. For podcasts or live programming, hit them up at timeforanawakening.com.
4: 245 That number is 215-885-2444. 2-1-5-8-8-5-2-4-4-4. All insurance incorporated.
1: with your host, Brother Elliot, Sundays, 7 p.m., Fridays at 8 p.m. For podcasting or live program scheduling, hit us up at timeforanawakening at com. Welcome back to Time for an Awakening. is 8.13 here on this Freestyle Friday edition of Time for an Awakening, the January 20th edition. Before we get started with our program, I want to welcome in my co-host, Philadelphia activist and tour guide at the African American Museum here in Philadelphia at 9th Street. Brother Richard is with us. Brother Richard,
8: yes, sir, Brother Ellie. How are you, sir? Uh, I'm I'm doing better than a few hours ago, but hey, yeah. I, I mean, I, I, you know, it, you know me and the you know, being the weather man, you know, artificial <laughs> weather man, but uh, you know it's funny with this weather. You know, what I mean, it's up and down, and don't get a cold because. You don't know how to dress, but it's different than what's going what went on up in there in Buffalo or, or New York. You know, I don't know if, are they still digging themselves out? I guess that's what we'll find out also. Yeah. We'll find out from sister Simmons. I mean, we've been, uh,
1: kind of fortunate here. We haven't had any snow, not a drop of snow oh. yet, but, uh, seem like every place around the country all around us have been getting hit hard with some type of weather. So, uh, we better, uh, count myself uh blessed richard for the time being
8: yeah yeah that's that's the key thing for the time being and to the time for working we awakening audience i ain't ready that means you gotta shovel gotta have salt it's uh, no i ain't ready but uh but you know we'll see
1: yeah and uh you know listen i'm glad to have uh sister simmons back with us to get, give us an update on things going on in buffalo uh we know they'd had a severe uh snowstorm uh I guess it was about two weeks ago now, but they had one about a month prior to. Uh, And then, you know, the the stuff that happened over the the summer there with uh, some of our folks up there in that supermarket and uh, understanding the market will back up. And we're just going to kind of circle back around and touch base with uh, with Sister Simmons and see what's going on up there with our brothers and sisters in Buffalo uh, tonight, I guess. On the Free Star Friday edition, as activist and organizer of the New Black Panther Party Buffalo chapter, Sister Tanika Simmons is with us. Sister Tanika, are you there?
9: Yes, I'm here.
1: <laughs> How you doing?
9: I'm I'm doing well. Thank you. How are you? <laughs>
1: oh, doing doing great, and I'm glad to have you back with us on on Time for Awakening with myself and Brother Richard. How you doing, Sister Tanika?
9: Fine. I'm doing quite well. I just
1: want to thank you guys for having me back. Sister Simmons, kind of give us an update on things that have been going on up in in, uh, Buffalo. Um, uh, We know some serious things happened over the past couple of weeks uh, with the snowstorm. But, uh, you know, I got a friend of mine that lives up there. He's been up there for about 30 years. And uh, he sent me some pictures of the first storm that that you had, uh, I think it was about a month and a half ago where you had like several feet, I think it was five feet of snow or something. You can kind of help us with that. But then you had another one uh, about two or three weeks ago, if I'm not mistaken. So, uh, correct. you know, just let us know things that's been going on, even things around that uh, center around that market, because we see some things that happened up there after that, where they kind of, uh, you know, threw some things at the black community, to, I guess to kind of appease some of our people up there. Uh, um I think it was some type of uh well you can let us know. I think it was a museum or something that was going to be placed there. Uh to just talk about some of the things that has happened up there in Buffalo leading up to uh now basically.
9: Um well, first starters, um with the shooting that happened at Tops, um that was turned into a political platform to push um, further gentrification within our community, um, the Black community w- was starting to feel that. Um, what I'm going to say, that the that we were being left out, and to appease us, they said, "Well, you know, we're, we found all of this money, uh-huh. and they're going to come in and revitalize the area. They want to address the poverty. Like this is the time they want to address everything." And the underbelly of that is that, you know, we are being financially phased out of our community. We had a total of 3,700 evictions, mm-hmm. um, which is more evictions than they had in all five boroughs of of New York City. And, you know, Buffalo is roughly a little bit about 250,000 people. And there's like four, over 4 million people in New York City. So we are in a state of emergency and everything that happens to us, they kind of use as a way to further get their tentacles into the community.
1: Well, Sister Simmons, you said that 3,700 3, evictions in Buffalo, that is, has that been just over the summer? this year? Uh, When I say this year, I'm talking about the calendar year of 2022, or what period is that? over the uh, what time period is that
9: um that's how many evictions we had in december
1: in december okay. correct okay yeah cuz i did see something about some money uh, supposed to have been coming into the black community to uh to address blight and things of that nature so yeah you kind of okay all right um
9: yeah they came they came in with um funds for to help people with rent as a direct result of covid we got millions and millions of dollars in aid to prevent this housing crisis but unfortunately most of it went to nonprofits and when it went to the nonprofits it went toward the administration of these programs that were utilized to help the people so very quickly the program ran out of money um to ensure the the benefits and salaries of the people administering the programs.
1: Mr. Hmm. Simmons, uh, any new developments? Any more information come out about the Tops Market shooting? Because it seems that the media is uh, basically um, leaving things in the lap of this uh, this one. Uh, a monster that they caught that perpetrated the shootings, but he was a part of a network. It's clear that the the, uh, the media did release those facts that he was part of a network, and involved in that network was a retired agent or, or agents. I'm putting an S on it because it's not known. It's known at least one. So, has there any developments happened from that? Is there any more conversation? Uh, uh, the the attorney general out there, uh, Letitia James, uh, or the mayor of the city, have they released any more information to the community about uh, the shooting and and, uh, more information centering around the shooting?
9: They've released zero information about um, the shooting. The media programming that we've experienced has told us that he was just a lone wolf. And as a result, um, it really disappeared from the headlines. Like we didn't we're we're not really getting any other information because right after that happened they had the shooting, um, another mass shooting someplace else which kinda knocked Buffalo off of the map. And then here locally, they were so busy, you know, giving, you know, everything to they were giving free food. It turned into a festival. It just turned into a a grab for the community. So we really haven't heard much. We know that he took a plea and, you know, really, they really didn't speak much about it. They used it as an opportunity to like disarm the community and to push this agenda. Like, you know, we're all one and we love the black community on the heels of our community being um, gentrified and, our community facing like we're facing mass displacement and nobody is really talking about the issues that are um, really impacting us. Like we are in a state of emergency in every aspect that you could imagine. And there's nobody who is speaking to that outside of the people who are coming in saying, you know, we want to help you by giving you housing you can't afford. We're going to help you by putting these projects in your community and using your resources, but we're not going to hire you. We're not going to accommodate you. You're not going to be a contractor. You're not going to be a subcontractor. So we are for, uh, we are just really suffering because we are not telling our own story, if you will. And a lot of people don't know that we are in such a state of emergency because nobody is acknowledging it, which is why I kind of reached out to you guys
1: the um the, because i know that you you have uh, been active up there and, and a, a community organizer but i want to kind of uh, before i pass it to brother richard i want to kind of focus in on the the organizing part of it because after that tragedy that happened up there with our folks um i know that it was a alertness that happened among the people that they need to organize themselves Uh, to act on issues, and also, you know, because of the seriousness of that that situation that happened, to protect themselves, potentially protect themselves from future attacks. So talk about it from that point as a community organizer yourself and demanding answers from elected officials up there, and especially the elected officials that look like me and you and and Richard. uh, Talk about it from that point. Uh, has it been a surge of people and a, a awareness and awakening among the people that we need to organize to join groups uh, such as yourself, uh, the New Black Panther Party, or any conscious groups in the area? Have, talk about that part of it, the organizing part.
9: Well, the biggest problem that we have locally in organizing is that a lot of the organization that takes place in our community takes place via nonprofits. Um, and it's the same group of nonprofits, uh, via Open Buffalo. Open Buffalo is a part of Open Society under George Soros. And that particular organization, um, has about a hundred nonprofits under its belt. So as the community, Uh, try to organize the new Black Panther Party. Our goal um, was to bring an awareness to the community that we have delegated our protection for far too long. Like, we have to take advantage of our Second Amendment rights, and we have to organize ourselves and protect ourselves. And unfortunately, that goes against the agenda the government agenda that is being pushed forth in the community so we're like one organization and we are going against a group of organizations who are kind of controlled opposition to instead of keeping the community's mind on the need to protect itself they are pushing um, the fact that there's all this violence in the black community and if you really want to be safe we have to turn in our guns and as they are pushing forth like they use the may 14th shooting to say that you know guns are not safe in the black community you need to turn them in and on the hills of that we have uh, a huge bangladeshi um, population that's actually buying up the houses they've driven up the 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 cost, the rent the, the they've driven up all the costs, and they're arming them like the people the gentrifiers, the people that abandon the city that are now moving in the city they're they're telling everybody who's coming into our neighborhoods you need to be armed to protect yourself, and they're telling us that we don't need to be armed like you need to be scared of guns, and they're organizing around disarming us they're organizing us. Uh, to say that, you know, you really can't govern yourself and save yourself. What you need to do is you need to get with one of our organizations. We're funded. We are affiliated with the politicians. We get things done. So there's this push to that, like, you need someone to save you. And we are really trying to push the fact that, you know, there we've just delegated way too much. Like, it's time to pull it in and encircle the wagons and take care of each other and ourselves.
1: Uh Sister Simmons, uh, uh, cuz I'm 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 going to circle back around to that uh what you just raised. But uh talk about the um, the devastating storms that have happened over the past I mean you've had two of them in the past maybe month and a half and you can correct me if I'm wrong uh with uh 5 and 6 feet of snow. Uh, We know that anytime America has a cold, that black people have the flu, so to speak. Talk about how those storms have affected the black community and resources and all that go to other areas of Buffalo. Probably, and I don't think I'm speaking out of turn, having come to our community. Just talk about it from the perspective of a, a black woman living in our community.
9: Well, and these storms are, the first storm we got, seven feet of snow. We were able to deal with it. It took us a little bit longer for them to uh, to, uh, clear the streets of the snow and, and manage that situation, and that was back in November. We had the blizzard that took place on December 23rd, and... Um that one has been has has been really devastating to the community because a portion of the community lost power and the, with the windshield, I think it was like minus forty three so we had people who were and we had snow snow drifts of like twelve feet ten feet there were places where there was you could see the pavement and then you had other places where there were 12 feet drifts and it was it was particularly devastating because we lost power and some people who lost power also lost the ability to heat their homes so you have people who have uh busted pipes Uh, Oh,
1: simmons uh-oh, I think we might have lost her briefly. Um,
9: okay, can you hear me? I hear you now. Oh, okay.
1: You we were saying busted bikes. Yeah, yeah, kind of circle back around because I didn't oh. catch all of what you said.
9: Oh, well, with, I mean, with the, the blizzard that we had, we were, we were battling, A, the snow. Um, and when I say whiteout, I mean you couldn't see an inch... In front of you. Um, we were fighting hurricane force winds and we were fighting bitter cold. So those things, um, a combination of all of those things left a lot of property damage and there has been no assistance on behalf of government in terms of FEMA. There's been no declaration um, declared for individuals, but there was a declaration uh, declared for the government and for businesses. So
1: that it, it no, is no, very no, wait, ec- it, I don't want to cut you. Hold on a second. So yes. they were allowed to declare a state of emergency for, for businesses in I guess the commercial area of Buffalo, but the residents right. couldn't apply for FEMA grants and, and a declaration of, a, of a emergency in, in the community?
9: No. Because at, at, as of the information that I had, uh, Kathy Hoko had not, um, she didn't ask for that. And I believe Chuck Schumer um, and someone else, was, they've been kind of trying to, you know, force her to claim FEMA. And I don't know why there is, I don't even know why that's a question at this point. And the businesses, the and I believe the reason that they included the businesses was because of the looting that took place, which to me comes through as orchestrated. Um, and why I say that is because our, you know, when the storm was coming, we were having the mayor, he was coming on TV telling us about the storm and the severity of it and how we needed to get prepared, um, you know, get our households prepared. But... At that same time, the city of Buffalo has no, they have no snow plan. So when there's a weather event that is more than eight inches of snow, the plan that the city has is to call in private contractors and depend on other state agencies like the state to come in and the county to come in and do snow removal. They have no emergency plan, and we haven't had an emergency manager since 2011. So what they knew at that time when they were telling everybody to get prepared, they're like, we have national grid. We have the National Guard prepared. They knew that they had no plan. They knew that the power was going to go out. They knew that the eye of the storm was going to be on the east side of Buffalo. They knew how, you know, the general population the houses over here are 100 years old. I mean in lots of wind events we lose power like consistently in certain neighborhoods but when this t- when this took place they weren't we had people on Facebook like my daughter's been stuck in a car on Clinton and Bailey like there was total devastation because there was no plan there was nobody to coordinate the plan and all of our city officials were at home on Facebook making lives about baking cookies and their christmas holiday that mm-hmm. they were you know planning for because they went out and got food and and they were prepared to be hunkered down which is fine but they left everybody out to dry like in a city of 250,000 people we had four warming centers and none of them was on the east side of buffalo mm-hmm. the plows were the plows were plowed in Nobody could get into the city, and so there by there being no coordination of efforts, there was no plan to help people who have, you know, people who were hunkered down in their houses for three days with no power, pipes burst. By the time the wind subsided, they were in a state of emergency, like they needed milk, they needed diapers, they needed food, they needed warm clothing, they needed blankets, and there was nothing because... The storm subsided on Sunday, which happened to be Christmas. So all the stores were already closed for the holiday. There was no emergency. There's no emergency housing or shelters in the city of Buffalo. So they knew that there would be this human crisis and they knew that there was that there were no plans to meet those crises. And then magically certain family dollars in the community were open. Like open, they, they they have some pictures where they say, like, people broke in. But at the end of the day, the stores were open. So I'm hungry. My ba- my baby's hungry. We're cold. The pipes burst. We have no place to go. Because literally, not only could you... Some people you couldn't even get out their houses. Like, people had to climb out of the window and then, you know, go through these snow drifts. So you were... Some people were stuck in houses. Some people were stuck in cars. And you were literally stuck in your neighborhood because there were so many abandoned cars because they didn't issue a snow ban until 41 minutes before the storm hit. So you have employers who told their employees to come to work only to come in and tell them to go back home and send them out into, you know, treacherous conditions. And. There was nobody to save them. They they called off all emergency services, so there was no fire, there was no police, there was no ambulance, there was nothing. Like there's nothing. You called and you needed help. The, they said, "What do you want us to do?" Literally, this is how they were treating black people, and the black people, our community, we were using like Facebook, Instagram, like all forms of social media. We were organizing assistance for ourselves. Like, you know, I have a family member on that's stuck in their car on this street. Do you, does anybody know anybody who is in that area who can go get them? This is what the community was doing. And it's so sad because I was like back in June, I think the shooting happened in May from May until the snow dropped. Everybody cared about black people and everybody's on Jefferson and any time you know, a celebrity comes, everybody's going on Jefferson. They're giving out appliances. They're giving out food. They're having concerts. They're having festivals. But when they knew that the, the human crisis that would be created, there was nobody, there was nobody like the, the We have like 2000 churches. Not one church was open with a warm center. We have senior housing that that didn't have they don't have any generators. So you had seniors who, when the power went out, they were trapped in elevators with no heat. You had senior housing, and all they had in the building was electrical appliances. So when the weather, when the power went out, they had no way to heat. Like, people were literally dying and freezing to death, and there was nobody. Like, we, there were dead bodies that they didn't get to for five to seven days because they simply couldn't get through so it was just total devastation and all they can do when they talk about this nationally is talk about the looting. And it and it, you know, it kind of dehumanized a whole community because it didn't address the fact that like people had to loot or they were gonna die because there was no place for them to go, no food, no emergency services, no nothing. Like there were a whole uh, uh, senior housing facilities where the first floor was nothing but ice because there was no heat. So the pipes burst. You had, they were on Facebook. We had elderly people who had no legs, people who were totally disabled and handicapped. They're in apartments and they're trapped, and water is coming down through the ceilings. There's nobody to rescue them, nobody to get them, nobody to check on them. And it, it when I tell you, and this is just something that nobody wants to address. And now Kathy Hochul is pushing New York State to be a green state. So as of twenty, I want to say twenty twenty six, she's going to make it so that new build houses don't have gas hookups. She's going to ban all gas appliances. And no, and I'm like, how do, how does she go, and 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 push this piece of legislation when if None of us had gas appliances. Most of us would have died. And now she's she's removing that as even an option. So it's really, we have so many issues.
1: And you know the 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 uh, the devastation that you're expressing. The the only thing that um, now I don't know maybe some of the listening audience can chime in, but um, I seen the uh, information of the young lady that was a nurse. I think she was 23. That was yes. either, that was either sent home or going home, and you know she got caught. And uh, I mean, she was just she was buried alive in her car and froze to death. Mm-hmm. The, that was that was the only thing that I said. But some of the other things that you're talking about, it never hit the news. They did show all the the, the the looting that went on and things of that nature, but they didn't they didn't talk about some of the things that you're expressing tonight.
9: Right, and and the saddest part that that no one is addressing is that, like, ski resorts are better equipped to deal with snow emergencies than the city of Buffalo. In the city of Buffalo, snowmobiles are illegal, but in the suburbs, they're not. So our Buffalo Police Department, they have access to tanks. They have military-grade assault rifles and weapons they have all of this military grade equipment and we don't even have snowmobiles and the snowmobiles and and this is the this is the saddest part the county like buffalo is in the county of Erie in the state of New York the county of Erie sends they have snowblow snowmobiles and they send people to Colorado to train every year for snow emergencies so when this snow emergency hit, all of the snowmobiles from the county and the state was were utilized outside of the city to save those people. So you had people who were on the throughway, like you had people in in, in suburban areas where the houses are spaced out and everything is further spaced out, and they did not have the loss of life because. They had access to snowmobiles like when I like when the, the wind subsided w- walking outside it was like the day after tomorrow. you some cars were buried and they told people stay in your cars and and you know they didn't give them well you know if you're going to stay in your car you're going to want to make sure that you keep the you know the, the, the exhaust open like they didn't they just abandoned their their duty like there was no um there was no public public safety at all like it was like every man for himself and the sad part is when they finally did bring the snowmobiles and the national guard made it here and the state that was because of the looters they weren't they didn't come here and start knocking on doors for all of the people that they had ignored for days, who were calling 911, and they were like, "Well, sorry, we can't help you." They didn't do that. They immediately came in to arrest people. Like till this, to this moment right now, there are body parts that are in the moor that they can't even identify. Like the death toll is more than they will acknowledge because they're only acknowledging the people that they've identified. But when they were plowing the snow. Because people were, like, dead on the streets. Like, they have heads and no arms, no legs. Like, when I tell you, it it was really bad. Like, we had a lot of people who died on the streets. Like, my girl, like, my one of my Facebook friends, she's on Facebook. Her grandfather's 95. She's like, I just need someone in the area to go check on him. Because a lot of our telephone lines are now... They're not actual tied, you know, tied in there like Wi-Fi. So when the power went out, a lot of people lost their ability to communicate. So she couldn't get in touch with her grandfather. And and by the time I found out, it was dark. So I told her as soon as, you know, the sun comes up, I'll go check on him. Within like 25 minutes of that conversation, her grandfather was found dead in a parking lot of the school. Like he tried to escape.
1: Okay. Okay. Wow.
9: So we had a lot of bodies that were just like outside in the street because there was, there were no warming centers. If you got stuck in your car and you got out, you, it was so easy to get disoriented, let alone be in an area that you're unfamiliar with. So a lot of people like once they got out of their cars, they couldn't even find their cars because the cars became buried in the snow it, it I've never seen anything like what we experienced and I I don't believe we had proper notification and for the people involved to know to the minute when that storm was going to hit to the minute uh when the winds would subside for them to know that and there there was no emergency response to me, that was the response. Like, they're trying to push us off of the land through any means necessary, through climate modification, through no emergency response. And and it's been totally acceptable because the main story and the main focus is the looting. And and that's why I had to reach out to you guys.
1: We're in conversation with activists and organizers of the new Black Panther Party, Buffalo Chapter, Sister Tanequa Simmons, Give us, uh, giving us uh, uh, details on what has happened up to him, Buffalo, from this summer to present, uh, this present time. Uh, you can give us a call if you want to ask a question or comment by dialing 215-490-9832. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Richard,
8: yes, yes, yes. You know, um, Sister Tiniqua. You know, it's it's a couple of things as you were giving us that you know, what's going on. Let me let me. Let me, it's rough, because let me say, what's, what would you say, and, and and I know you just said that there is the total amount of black lives that were lost, um, there's no actual counting, but from your guesstimation, what would you say based off of the winter, I mean, this um, storm, what would you say is the the total black lives that might have been lost out of this incident?
9: I would say at least a hundred.
8: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and L- they had to go.
9: They they had to go door to door, and they and they were removing bodies out of cars like they were, as they were plowing through. They were checking cars, and they were going through and tagging cars that had bodies in them.
1: I guess similar to what they did to our folks down in uh, New Orleans when they would just mark the houses.
8: Hey, you know, it's interesting, as she was describing it, and that was another thought. I don't know if it was a question, but since you brought it up, Elliot, um, you know, because it sounded just almost similar to the approach that happened in New Orleans. Um, Would you agree with how uh, the black community in Buffalo were treated um, in this snowstorm with, um, could you? I don't know if you were around or you were, you know, in tune to, you know, what happened in New Orleans. Can you compare, make a comparison, um, you know, of of the treatment um, of this, these, this here kind of environmental catastrophe? Is there any comparison? Maybe that's the way I should frame it. Well,
9: so, I believe there there is a
8: comparison. And 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 now the. Is there now? Uh, when I just looked it up, um, uh, Brian—I mean—is is his name Byron Brown? He's the mayor of Buffalo. Yes. Um, what, what was his his response? Um, or did you get any response, or did the, did he give any kind in relationship to? And I want to also move move also, you know, into about the. The response that you were given in relationship to the shooting, but to this here environmental catastrophe that was going on to citizens in Buffalo, um, well, how did he, as a as a black mayor, uh, responded um, to to this to, and and your characterization of that? How did he respond?
1: Is it yeah, I think her audio. Hello, I, I, I hear you now. Yeah, how did? How did Demare,
8: yeah, yes, You're How now. did the man respond?
9: Um, his response, um, he he felt that um, his response was as as good as it could have been under the, um, under the circumstances, uh, he came out and he said, you know, the storm did everything that we thought it was. Uh, it sound
0: like uh, the communication. Yeah, sister,
1: sister, sister Tanigua. If she comes back on Richard, I'm going to see if uh, maybe I can get her to. Hello. Uh, I hear you now. You you know what? Um, I don't know um, how the Internet is up there, but we might get you to call on the phone if you go out again. Because you seem to, especially over the past couple of minutes, you seem to be going in and out. Can you you hear me? Hmm. Oh, boy. Uh, you know what? We might have to take a little brief break because I wanted uh, we got a couple calls on here. I wanted to take a couple to uh, her to take a couple of these calls. Sister Taniqua. Yeah, this is this is what we'll do, Richard. We'll take a. Uh, I think that might be her. Sister Taniqua. Yeah. Good, good. I, yeah, because we were. We were kind of <laughs> we were kind of losing you on that other connection. I'll I'll take that off of here. Okay. Okay. Now now let's go back because um, Richard asked something about the mayor's response, and uh, you were expressing something, and then you got kind of cut off.
9: Oh yeah. He, his he felt that his response was um, as good as it could have possibly been. He's you know it went from being a storm to it being a generational storm. And in terms of of that, and not only came after you know the death toll started increasing, then the county, our county executive, Mark Polenkars, called out the mayor as it pertained to the removal of the snow. And he kind of started getting heat for his response. To the storm, and anytime he started getting the heat, um, they digressed to the looting, and that sort of has taken precedence. So now the common council has come to the table, and um, they're they're allegedly at this point supposed to be investigating um, the city's response to the storm, but it, it's all. Um, a dog and pony show all smoke and mirrors because they all have the same campaign donors, like the same money, put everyone where they, where they are presently. And with this controlled opposition of them pointing fingers, um, because it's an election year for our common council, it allows the common council to look like they're responding to the needs of the community. When at the end of the day, the system, the entire system from the mayor to the common council Everyone felt the black community and it and it 's so funny how whenever it comes to um the the poverty in our community, they can pinpoint our poverty they can they have all the statistics to say, well we need uh, so we need five we need five hundred million dollars because we have this level of poverty and, and and the people can't afford this, and the people can't afford that. but when it came to the poverty, and i 'm understanding that we have a lot of seniors. They get paid once a month, and it's not at the beginning of the month. We have people who get paid weekly, biweekly, twice a month, at the beginning of the month. And here this storm comes on Christmas where people, even if they are, you know, financially stable, a lot of people, you know, go broke or put themselves in debt, you know, to prepare for the Christmas holiday in terms of giving gifts and presents. So they knew that people would be economically strapped and they did nothing, and to cover that up, you know, they're just going back and forth and, and doing their song and dance because there's been no accountability, because there's no transparency. And now they're like, oh, well, maybe we do need warming centers. I'm like, really? <laughs> and then we have the police department who's like, well, we really don't need um all, all-terrain vehicles because what are they going to do? They're only going to sit in, in the – the city garage until we have a weather event, like once a month, I mean, excuse me, once a year. And, you know, so these are the conversations that they're having and there's been no, um, no understanding with the community in terms of what happened because there was just a total breakdown of everything like how do you have no emergency services how do you not have a plan once emergency services come back online to get back to these people like nobody wanted to risk their lives but the community was out here risking their lives and taking care of one another and now as a direct result you know they're using these deaths to do what secure more resources. So after all of these people die and we are, we have this economic devastation, they start giving out snow survival kits. I'm like, you know, it. it,
5: You know what?
8: Yeah, I was, I was wondering in something as you were describing um, this, this environmental catastrophe, um, and you, you were making reference of the communication network that. Um, you know black people were using and, and I just want to make sure I'm clear that would you say that the internet became the telephone service um in order to be able to get did that what was the communication system in order to try to assist people that people were black people were mostly using to try to help each other and try to communicate with each other as this um this this storm came through
9: it was it was the cell phone because that wasn't tied to, um, it wasn't tied into the actual electrical lines. Like you could charge your phone off of Some your car. Phones. So happy. your only means of communication um, with anyone, what was, you know, the use of cell phones. Like a lot of people literally had no, means of communication and they were experiencing all sorts of medical emergencies like houses caught on fire and because there was no fire department, no emergency services, the houses around it just burnt up because there was nobody to show up. It, it and, and when you said earlier about Katrina, I was dispatched to Katrina and I worked FEMA and I would absolutely... Um, th- this is right up there with Katrina because you spoke with people who were trapped in their houses and the houses were flooding and what were they doing? They were calling for help, but there was, you know, people kept telling them to wait until so you had people who went from the first floor, like people were cutting holes in the ceiling so that they could get off the first floor and make it to the second floor. And then you have people who were in their attics, and then they had to cut holes in the, out of the attics, and people were stuck on, on their roof because there was nobody to save them. There was no plan. They didn't evacuate. And after Katrina, they learned that, you know, poor people have a very difficult time preparing for a, 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 a catastrophe. And and if you recall, there was a young man who stole a bus and he took and put the people on the bus and took them to safety. And then after that, they started, uh, you know, when they were getting these uh, huge hurricanes, they started evacuating the elderly and the handicapped and they created warrant you know, um, uh, emergency shelters. They started turning the schools and all of those places into fallout shelters so that, you know. People who may not have had the resources to board up their houses and go didn't have to become trapped in their houses. Like they could go to a, a safe place and they that's what they should have did. But they didn't evacuate anyone. They didn't even make sure that the senior housing places that didn't have backup generators, they didn't even make sure they had, you know, backup generators in places and we're talking about senior housing where they had people who would come and be in the building and be security because the seniors, you know, they don't they they don't have the ability to, you know, provide their own security, go up and down stairs, go up and down elevators. And they're you know, they were less like alone. So you you had people who were like literally up. like there was how senior housing and because the elevators you had people who were stuck on like literally they were stuck on on floors and buildings with no communication and nobody to save them nobody to check on them nothing and there was not even a basic plan but nobody is even questioning that at this point like how is it 2023 in a city that is known nationally and internationally for its snow and the city doesn't have snow blowers and the city doesn't have a plan for weather events that that bring more than eight inches of snow like eight inches eight inches is nothing to us we get that on a regular basis
8: no plan for poor black folks uh as you had said earlier that's, right. that's the characterization, and and I know Ellie, you want to go to uh, a break, and and if I can, the, you had mentioned um, the uh, earlier in relationship to the eviction. Um, had the thirty seven hundred people already been moved by the time the snow came, or were they um, displaced with the snow claim? Is there a correlation that you can give us as far as the eviction? and And the you know and 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 this here, um environmental catastrophe at this moment, um where do people already moved?
9: People were in transition,
8: hmm.
9: mm. wow. people were in a state of transition, so you know you had people who it's at the end of the month, people who were getting evicted people who are in the process of looking for a place to live like that. The fastest homeless population that's growing in our city is the black family. It's not even um, like you might say, Oh, it's black men. No, it's black families because the housing is being monopolized by foreigners. They're bringing their own people here. So when when the families are pushed out, they're creating, they're using that crisis to create affordable housing, but they're replacing the housing, the residential housing that is being lost with one- and two-bedroom apartments. So now you're a family. You have three three children. You need public transportation to get back and forth to work. You might only make $15 an hour. Market-rate apartments here are 900 to two thousand dollars a month, you have to be able to document that you make three times the amount of rent in order to rent these locations. And the average salary of the people in our community is between twenty-four and about forty thousand. So you have so most of most of the people who are in need of housing need more than one or two bedrooms, and a great majority of them can't document having uh, $2,700 to $6,000 a month in income. I mean, that's why we have so many nonprofits, because there are no jobs. We have a lot of poverty. So the poverty is fueling the job market. The poverty is creating the, the need for more police, the need for more jails. Like, our poverty is is necessary. It's required. Like our poverty brings in over a billion dollars every year. Our city budget is only 500 million.
0: Mm.
1: But you know, be- before we go to, uh, two, one, five, because I, I, uh, he's been waiting, uh, sister Simmons, um, let me ask this and then, and, and, uh, uh, Either we'll take a break or take the call one another. If we take a break, then the calls is going to be first up after the break. Uh, as a person that has run for office in the past, the people in the community do know your track record of working in the community. Uh, has there been any discussions just among black people since this has happened? Because Buffalo is a Buffalo, Erie, places like that. They're unique places because they can get, that lake effects storm—they can get a storm like this at any time. So, has there been any discussions with the churches, uh, especially the churches, about having emergency centers in case this happens again? No, fact, well, not in case when this happens again, because it's, it's inevitable to happen again. So, has there been any discussion since, um, you know, things have somewhat started to come back to normal? That we can't allow this type of thing to happen again. We need contingency plans because the city or the state is not really interested in helping us. We're going to have to help ourselves. Has there any been has there been discussions like that among some of the the uh, concerned citizens? Not necessarily the non. I'm talking about the concerned citizens.
9: Well, a lot of the you know, I, I interjected that conversation into the community because. Where I live, um, I am in within one and within one mile of where I live. There's over twenty-five churches. People like and, and the and where that that older gentleman died in the parking lot. The parking lot where in which he died. Um, there was immediately within within I want to say a hundred yards. He was within a hundred yards of six churches. But the churches, um, they took issue with that. They were like, well, why should we have been open? We would have lost power. And I'm like, well, if you would have lost power, that would have been a great place to have generators, to have blankets, to have milk. Um, all, you know, all of the things that you guys have been giving the little black people on Jefferson, that would have been a nice place to put them in this church and to evacuate the elders into the church. And and, and so at least we're all together and there's a place for resources. Even when we were out digging each other out, those efforts could have been better coordinated through the church. Like, you know, if you need anything, go to the church. If you want to volunteer and you can shovel, go to the church. But the churches were not open because the pastors were more concerned about their own personal safety. They're like, I would have been in the church without power. Yes, yeah, you would have been in we, there
8: with your church. Are we talking about black pastors? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. we're
9: talking about black pastors. Mm-hmm. And, and and we're talking about the black pastors who instantaneously turned their churches into vaccination clinics. You know, the churches here are very much part of the problem because most of our churches here are 501c3 churches which means that they are partners affiliates uh, of the government so whatever the government does that's what they do and the government said we're not we're not going to help them so we're not going to do anything i said if this had happened prior to the election i said kathy hoko would have found money and said you know we're going to have this storm and you know we know that everybody is not financially able to prepare so they would there would have been money and then because there would have been money allocated the churches would have been the first in line to be open the community centers like we had people who made it to the police station and when they got in there the police station didn't have blankets they didn't have they had nothing i said that's just basic emergency preparedness I said, how do you, how do you spend, I, I, I promise you, ever since that, that shooting at Tots until the first snowflake, they were on Jefferson just giving away everything. Anything you could imagine, they gave away. I said, but then we have this human crisis. And even after, even after everything subsided, the church is still never open. They 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 haven't given out one blanket, one bottle of water they've given out nothing, not the American Red cross, the salvation nothing. You have people who are devastated, and most of them at this point are our seniors because now that there's this economic devastation they're calling their homeowners insurance. well, now they're backed up, and any a little bit of assistance that any program that they, you know, that's out there that may help seniors, you know, fix their home that was in place prior to, they're not able to help anybody because they first need um, the insurance company to step in and say what they will and what they won't pay for. But there's this long waiting line because we have a lot of damage. Like uh, our houses are older and a lot of us lost power. I would say like 85 to ninety percent of the uh, of the black community, lost power, and we were without power on average from two no from three to seven days. Mm. There was no power.
1: Mm. Wow let's go to, Let's go to two two one five. He's been waiting two one five.
7: A good evening, brother Elliot. Like and so. Good evening. I'm doing mm-hmm. well, well, brother Elliot. Good evening, brother Richard. Good evening, Miss Simmons. How are you, my dear? Fine. How are you? I'm doing fine. All praises be to Allah. You know, Miss Simmons, it's it's odd to talk to you because, as brother Elliot and brother Richard tell you, Buffalo, Buffalo, New York, is dear to me and always will be because I got a lot of family live up there now, including my sister, and m- many nieces and nephews, cousins, and everything. Because, as you know, Miss Simmons. Buffalo, York, like a lot of cities up in the north, a lot of our people that was in the south migrated when they left the south for better opportunity, came up, up north. And it's ironic because my mother, she come from a family of seven sisters and seven brothers, and when they left North Carolina, half of them went, some went to Detroit. Some went to Philadelphia before my aunts went to Buffalo, and they made Buffalo New York their home. They moved to Buffalo like back in the late 50s, I think it was, or early 60s. maybe. I think it was maybe late 50s, and they've been there ever since. They started families there, and, and that's why, like I guess I have a, a large family in Buffalo. And Miss Simmons, you know, I've been there many a times. You know, I've been there in the, in the cold winter time. I've been in the summer, the spring, so I've been there for happy occasions and and unfortunately, for some sad occasions, like when my nephew was killed back in 2006, I just love the city and everything. And uh, you know, the trip to Niagara Falls, as you well know, on the May of Miss, going over to the Canadian fall, side of the Falls and everything. And it's it's, it's, a, it's a city that got a lot of history, but it's so sad, Miss Simmons, that you know that you have a, a mayor up there that don't give a damn about his people, who number the handkerchief head Negro, who's a disgrace in this life for the next. My sister and many of my family up there in Buffalo, Miss, they can't stand Byron Brown. He he, he 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 should have been gone years ago. He should have never been a mayor, you know. You know. But the point is that people like him, they hold out people back. They they don't work to help black people out, Miss Simmons. They work the, against the interests of black people, and that's what he does. You know what I mean? And it's a shame that that he can't be outed because, like I said, uh, he's, 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 he's a disgrace, you know. And, uh, like you said, you got gentrification going on, and, many, and it's just like here in Philadelphia, Ms. Simmons. you got many of these black politicians, the same way they're working with these rich white developers to move their people out of the city. And, like you said, these white folks, they abandon the cities like they did in Philly, like they're doing in Buffalo. Now they want to come back now because they realize how... How convenient it is to live in the city instead of living out way out in the suburbs where they drive all week every day with the gas, the, the the tolls, and all that stuff. They want to move back in the city, but they don't want to live around black people, and 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 these and these negroes helping them do their you know do their bedding for them. You know what I mean, Miss Simmons? Absolutely. You know, and, that, and that's the sad part. You know what I mean? It's a sad situation, and that's why I, I encourage you, Miss Simmons, to keep build Call Keep doing what you're doing the right this wrong because it has to be stopped and stuff. And people like Byron Brown and his ilk, it has to be called out and have to be challenged and dealt with because they're not a uh, they not fighting for their people. They just not. You know, I mean, it's just, it's sad. It really is sad. I mean, you know, see what's it's, 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 it's going up in Buffalo and and my and in, 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 in you mentioned Belly Street. I have I've had eyes live on Belly Street. My sister's currently there's now on Master Avenue, which I'm sure you're familiar with. And, uh, you know, like I said, I know a lot of the streets up there because I've been up there so many times up there, you know, in Buffalo and stuff. I I love the city and stuff. It's it's a shame that, uh, you know, we don't have black representatives up there that's fighting and looking out for our people because it can be such a thriving city for black people. They do have a sizable black population up there, and there's no reason why it shouldn't be a thriving, economically viable uh, community, but it's a shame because the people like Byron Brown and his ilk, there are people out there suffering, you know, you know, suffering just to make ends meet and everything, you know, and, that, and like you said, Mr. Smith, at this time now where they're facing gentrification with the help of these so-called black elected officials, that's sitting back letting it happen, and in many cases, helping it happen, you know, so, you know. So I so I so I say, Mr. miss them you as know, I keep you in prayers, but I keep my family up in Buffalo in prayer, and all the citizens up in Buffalo and, and stuff. Like, like you know what's going on, especially with the with the storms, and of course, with brother Elliot mentioned earlier, but that monster, that they, that devil, that did that that that's shooting back in May and stuff. You know what I mean? Just you know, just one. Low after another to the black community, but you know we are strong people, and we'll survive, and we'll keep on pushing on it's to do what we have to do, Miss Simmons. And I, and I thank God for people like yourself that's out there on the ground trying to get our people, you know, together and trying to get our people to move our people forward, Miss Simmons. I just, just say keep doing what you're doing. I'm gonna keep you in my prayers as well. Keep all my black brothers and sisters in Buffalo, my family and my extended family in Buffalo, to move forward and keep doing what we have to do, so, so we can definitely you no, know, you no. Know, Forge your own path of self determination, Miss Simmons. So keep doing what you're doing, Miss Simmons. I appreciate you. I appreciate you. Uh,
9: thank you so much for your kind words and your
7: support. For your people. You're uh, you wa- you welcome, Miss Simmons. Well, brother Elliot and Richard, thanks for letting me express myself from Elliot. Now listen to the rest of the show.
1: Thanks for your call. Uh, you're welcome. We're gonna take a brief break, and when we come back, we'll continue the conversation. You can get involved too by dialing two one five four nine zero nine eight three two. That's two one five four nine zero ninety eight thirty two. Time for an awakening. We'll be right back.
5: RG Electrical Inspections provides electrical inspections for realtors, licensed electricians, and homeowners. Licensed and insured underwriter. Serving Philadelphia and surrounding area.
10: Call today, 484-268-9837. Escape the digital plantation. ibb2me.com, ibb 2 are here for you. You are ready to be free. To join your global commit to you black family. To join your interconnected commit to you black communities. Escape the digital plantation now. IBB2Me.com. ibb metv dot mestore We are here for you. Escape the digital plantation.
3: I am an African, the death of my brother is also my death. Let me put this question to you again, because many foolish black middle classes and many foolish people who are eating well think that they can sit in America and watch this country destroy the African continents and watch this country destroy African Caribbeans and watch this country destroy Africans in Central and South America and think that these same people who destroy Africans abroad will not be the same people who have destroyed them in America. There are fools in this this country who try to claim that they are not Africans, who claim that they do not see color, as if they're not seeing color makes any difference in the world. Simply because you don't see color doesn't mean somebody does not see you as color. And that's the issue. And you think then that you can sit in this country, While this same nation and these same people that you sleep with and marry and love and so forth can go out and destroy African people and not think those people do not see you as African, even though you choose not to see yourself as African, you'd better think again. You're out of your minds and you're headed for death. You must understand that. Hide behind it. I am an American. Ladies and gentlemen, these death and destruction of black people will follow those kind of abstractions.
11: Probably the next five or ten years will indicate whether or not the black man can survive. Our struggle for survival is a very real struggle. And the white man has prepared genocide for black people. Unemployment, the black man is no longer necessary. Unemployment is going to be a way of life for black people. We are going to face increasing dangers and problems as the days pass. And we're totally unequipped as black people to deal with them. We're part of a slave culture. We have no preparation, we have no black institutions capable of dealing with white racist institutions designed to serve only white people. We must deal with the problem that confronts black people by building black institutions, by understanding that only a separatist position is a viable position for black people. Any organization or any leader in America who today advocates integration is a foe and an enemy of black people and their survival in the coming years.
2: this crooked game of power politics here in America the Negro namely the race problem integration civil rights issue, are all nothing but tools used by the whites who call themselves liberals against another group of whites who call themselves conservatives either to get into power or to retain power among whites here in America the political teams are no longer divided into Democrats and Republicans. The whites who are now struggling for control of the American political throne are divided into liberal and conservative camps. The white liberals from both parties cross party lines to work together toward the same goal, and white conservatives from both parties do likewise. The white liberal differs from the white conservative only in one way, The liberal is more deceitful, more hypocritical than the conservative. Both want power, but the white liberal is the one who has perfected the art of posing as the Negro's friend and benefactor. And by winning the friendship and support of the Negro, the white liberal is able to use the Negro as a pawn or a weapon in this political football game that is constantly raging between the white liberals and the white conservatives. The American Negro is nothing but a political football.
10: You are listening to Time for an Awakening. Time, Time for an Awakening. With host Brother Elliot and Brother Richard on Time for an Awakening Media. Part of the Black Talk Radio Network for podcasting. Or live program scheduling, hit them up at time for an awakening at gmail dot com.
1: Welcome back to Time for an Awakening <clears throat> Friday edition. It's nine twenty four in the city, city of Philadelphia. We're in conversation this evening with activists, organizer of the New Back Panther Party Buffalo chapter, Sister Taniqua Simmons, is with us. Uh, talking about what's going on in Buffalo from what happened this summer to what's currently uh, transpiring now in the city uh, you can give us a call if you got a question or comment by Don, 215-490-9832 that's 215-490-9832 uh, let's go to 212 in New York City
12: 212 greetings brothers and sisters this is uh, Brother Maurice from New York how are you sir I'm doing fine. I'm doing fine in this cold state of New York, man. I'm trying to make sure that uh, this gas bill don't put me out on the street because, you know, how expensive it is to keep the place heated. Uh, Greetings to the sister in Buffalo. I know um, it's tough, you know, but keep fighting the good fight, sister. I mean, I I think the audience needs to know the first thing that I always found interesting about Buffalo is y'all voted that guy out, Brown out. He had a writing campaign, and he, he was able to get back in the office. So I'm saying to myself i'm I'm not surprised that he didn't do anything to help the black community because they that think a system won in the in the primaries. is that correct? yeah, yeah, and, and, then, he, well, and then, right, and then then they brought all then all of the white people got behind Brown in his writing campaign. I was like, I've never seen a writing campaign win a male election." And nobody didn't call for no recount or anything of that nature. I thought that was very interesting. I'm, you know, um, I also was looking at the articles because, you know, in New York we have like the, the New York Post and the Daily News, and those are considered to be right wing newspapers. And when you listen to the comments underneath, you know, the things that they would be saying about, well, you know what? You notice they didn't mention race, so you know who they were. All types of racist tropes and things about the nature of the looting that went on. And no one talked about the humanity of any of the black people that lived in that community, those people that paid their taxes and expect services for, from a from a city that forgot about them and stuff and then, and then today, I don't know if you knew at nine o'clock tonight was the last uh, the, the um, emergency rental assistance program closed. so anybody that needed any help couldn't unless you filed the application already that that is closed. You're not going to be able to get any money from there. And I don't know if you, you're you aware of what's going on down in New York, but um, they have already started major evictions in particular communities. And, of course, you know, the the courts are filled up, and then we go into those courts, those housing courts, you see mostly black and Latino people. And the, most people will say that they think it's about people not paying their rent. But a lot of these evictions people are seeing is coming up or landlords just evicting them because they don't want the people in their house any longer. It's not dealing with back rent. There were like mm-hmm. 50 cases. This, this came up on the news. So I want to be clear about this, right? Because I, I own property and I deal with people that want to pay their rent and didn't want to pay their rent. So I'm on both sides of the fence. But in a lot of these situations, I want to be clear about this. And I want the audience to know that landlords can evict you without there being an the issue. And that's what's happened to a lot of people. And what happens in the, in the city of New York—they're supposed to give you legal counsel. Most people don't know that they go into these courts by themselves. So, you know, sister, I, I, I want to keep encouraging you because I know it's a tough fight. I was—I uh, did—I was on this, my own show, I, 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 and I was talking about an issue about how I'm walking around in Brooklyn, and I don't even recognize my neighborhood. I don't even feel welcome in my neighborhood anymore all I'm seeing is all of these different people pushing carriages and riding bicycles. And I even said to somebody, I said that, you know, this is, this must have, this is like the aborigines must've felt right. When they saw, mm-hmm. when they saw the, um, telegraph being poles being put in or when the stage the stage coach came, the next thing you know, when as soon as you see the bicycle lane in your neighborhood, you know, that you're not, you, it's not going to be long for you to, um, to stay there because the rents will go out of out of out of out of, out of a skyrocket. So one of the things that we're trying to do down here, and I mean I'm not I'm just offering a suggestion, sister, you like you already sound like you're a brilliant and gifted sister, you're doing all of the hard work in Buffalo. But we're trying to, to um create community trust so that when somebody wants to sell their property, they sell it mm-hmm. to the trust so that it doesn't get sold to these people because I got a lot of Asian people in this community who are buying property, don't live here, renting it out and stuff and um, black people refusing to sell to the people in the community because we don't want it to be gentrified. So, um, but I do have a, I do, I do want to make another statement uh, and I just want to get your opinion on this because obviously we know everything that goes on is dealing with politics. Uh, Most people are not watching anything that's going on with the state of New York, but this whole uh, chief justice thing. Uh, Sister, you aware that that chief justice, the one that they just, Kathy Hochul's trying to put in and they said no to him?
9: Uh, No, I don't.
12: Okay, well, there's there's this guy that they were trying to put into, um, as the chief justice of the Supreme Court here, uh, named Hector LaSalle, and he's a former prosecutor. And and uh, th- people got upset because they were pulling cases that he ruled on, and he was ruling against unions, he was ruling against, you know, citizens and things of that nature, and they tried to say they cherry-picked it. And and see, this is the thing that I'm learning as I'm I'm looking at all these different cases around the country, dealing with the police and dealing with uh, um, evictions and things of that nature. What makes the difference is the law. I went over information about what's the difference between Resisting arrests in Los Angeles versus resisting arrest in New York—very different. And so, I'm telling people is that we have to get people into these offices that will get in there and interpret the law and change these damn laws because it's killing us. The perception of who you are and how your life will exist is not determined by who by you, but by the person who makes the laws. You know, and that's the the, the frustrating thing that that I'm finding. Um, uh i'm sorry i'm losing i'm losing my train of thought because I'm getting so frustrated because i have a such a hope and love for black people i remember Cor- uh, professor Karinga said law con- law constitutes reality the way society legitimizes this rule we are we are dealing with procedural justice and not substantive justice. the ruling race class um they use uh enforcement or they to, to to coerce the right of the state. And so, you know, the only paper that I saw that even told the story about the looting going on from your perspective, sister, was that there was a communist newspaper that I, that I actually read through and they were talking about how the black community was forgotten. Everyone else, like you said, talked about the looting. So, um, you know, I do, I know I'm doing a lot of talking because I'm frustrated, but sister, I want to encourage you that you're not alone in this thing. You will. You do have brothers and sisters that love you, and or that are praying for you. They got your support, and we are out here fighting every day. You know, don't give up the struggle. You know, you you know we you know there's a there's a quote it says human progress never cold, uh, human progress never comes in, on the wills of inevitability, but it comes with men and women willing to be tireless co workers with God. Without that, time itself becomes an ally of the forces of the stagnation, and so. I'm encouraging you to keep up the fight, and and I, I find it um, interesting that the state of New York is running around and talking about they don't have any money, yet the, the federal government is suing them because of uh, insurance fraud. They said to the state of New York, had fraud of 11 billion dollars. The state said it was closer to 5 billion. Imagine what they could have did with those funds in terms of helping people in, 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 in Buffalo, for example, or in other communities. And this is all going on during the pandemic. So, um, But again, I, I mean, sister, I, I don't want to take up your time. I just wanted to encourage you and, uh, you know, and let the people know that, you know, we do have some people out here fighting. And we would thank God for Brother Richard and Brother Elliot. I mean, I'm telling you. I have to turn off the TV because if, if I, if I don't, if I keep listening to that stuff, I would think that I was, I, I had uh, horns in my head and a pitchfork in my hand.
1: <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> Thank you for your contribution, brother. Okay. Now peace, my brother. Talk to peace you. Again. This is Simmons. Before we go to our next call, let, let me ask you a question. And, um, I'd like your uh I like your response to it as a organizer community organizer that has been out here in the community what is what would you say is the biggest challenge not just for you but for anybody uh especially young people that want to get out here and start organizing the the people in the community, grassroots people, people that these things really affect. Th- th- tell me some of the challenges that uh, that 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 you would face, or that they that they would face.
9: Well, we would face the opposition co-opting our efforts. It's like everything that that is a solution ultimately ends up playing a key role in our demise, like with the civil rights movement that started out as being a grassroots movement, but it was co-opted by the Rothschilds. And as a direct result, you know, something that could have been transformational in a very positive way became very transformational in in a very heinous and diabolical way. Fashion because our the biggest threat that we face is the controlled opposition what you know where we have been programmed to believe that you have to to talk a certain kind of way, walk a certain kind of way, be a certain kind of way, and be embrace a certain kind of way in order for you to be recognized as as leadership within the community and we no longer pick our leaders our leaders are now picked for us and the government learned a lot from assassinating both Martin Luther King and Malcolm X they learned that that's just not that was bad for business so they don't assassinate our leadership they build our leadership up from the inside out So here we are trying to change a system and we don't even understand the political game because it's definitely a game and they make sure that we don't understand the game because they keep us focused on the solutions that they come up with. You know what I'm saying? And when you don't have an understanding, like we gain our understanding of the system by the people who created the system. And we've been programmed to anybody who says something that may contradict our beliefs, instead of us being taught. Like, just because you don't agree with something, that doesn't mean that you know it, it, it's necessarily a bad thing. Like, we have to be more informed. And and the biggest part is that you know we we believe. We want people to tell us, like, how to save ourselves when we are fully capable of doing it ourselves. But, you know, that comes with them controlling our image. So, in our mind, we are depending on the people who are endorsed by the system to save us. And we have to understand, like, anybody that the system endorses, any anybody that the people put in front of you... um they couldn't possibly serve our interests because if they served our interests, they wouldn't be in front of us. And, um, what I need to further the, the agenda is I just need the community to be more informed and I need us to open up our minds to, to the understanding that, um, what I want to say, Like, our educational system was created for the sole purpose of creating followers. And the worst thing that we could be is educated and and embrace the power that we have to solve our own problems. The biggest problem is that we don't have enough. We're poor. And our poverty is created, so it limits the things that we're able to do because we don't trust one another. Like, that was the whole purpose of dismantling the family like the family is the first unit of the community if you can't trust your family depend on your family if you don't believe your family then it's you know it's kind of hard to move as a family and and the community is made up of family so now we have all of these issues and it, it's hard to really see what and who the problem is so the, so we just really need to be more educated, and we need to um, get with people who are already like-minded and really understand what's happening, and then we have to be able to meet and meet wherever it's possible. Like that's, the, that's one of the reasons why we don't have community centers and resources in the community, because they don't really want us to be a community. They don't want us to, to start to understand who the enemy is who is with them and who is with us? Because if we didn't have people that look like us, um, blurring the line, then I, I don't think we would be in the position that we're at. Hmm.
1: Richard, I know you want to jump in on this, what you just said, but, but, but let me, let me take this call and then we'll come back to you.
5: Hmm.
1: Let's go to 602. 602. Yes.
13: Good brothers. Good evening. And good evening to your guests, sister from Buffalo. Brother Marcos, how are you, sir? I'm doing all right, good brother. You know, when I hear what the sister say happening in Buffalo, and we nobody, you know, I, I'm here, Memphis. I I have seen nothing on TV like you know what she says, So is that you know? But it, it's funny too because I was talking to somebody the other day from Georgia. And they said they had, like, five tornadoes down there in a county, a predominantly black county, I think Gibbons, some, some county there, and tore up the place. And there is no news, you know, here, no, you know, so events can be taking place in one part of the community country with black people, and we don't, so we have to get the communication. That's why time for a week is so important, because you got your ear on the ground, <laughs> you see, so... So, you know, I wanted, um, I want to ask the sister a question, though, but I want to just say this little piece before, you know, I think we should just like all the brother from Chicago there, Joe, say, say, look, we sh- we went not, I think it's time for us to come so now, you see, I think it's time for us to move a uh, mass movement of black people back to the south, because... You see, what I realized, you know, you see in where they gentrify you up there and, you know, and leave a lot of these black communities. Because there are some black communities down, down in, um, in Arkansas, uh, you know, and, uh, that the infrastructure is still good ain't nobody live there little black towns you know what i'm saying you know 500 people 300 people ain't nobody so all those cities we can populate you see so we sh- you know we should think about that but the question i want to ask sister is what is the temperament of black people now after this disaster that they went just goes through just experience what is the police of the community? Is it tighter or, you know, and I'll hung up and feeling response.
1: Thank you for your contribution, brother. All right, thank you. Did you hear him uh uh Taniqua.
9: Yes. Okay. And um to answer his question, the temperament of the community was very positive because for a lot of people, um we all felt like we were, like, literally left for dead. And literally we had to, you could only depend on your neighbor. Like, you couldn't depend on the police to save you. So we, as a community, like, came together, and we were on one accord. And I tried to, to communicate that through looking at what happened with the looting. Like, at a time where there was this great humanitarian crisis and there was no emergency services, like, people could have literally started running into their neighbor's houses, stealing, shooting, you know, doing all those things. But they weren't. They were, like, in the community. They were running in in the stores, getting what they needed, getting what was needed for everybody on their street who couldn't make it out. Like, we were really working as a community on one accord off of straight love because there was nobody out there but us. And, and, and it was very coincidental. Like, there was nobody in the community to save us, but there were people in the community to take pictures and and for the police to have people on camera and all of this other stuff. But there was nobody to offer aid, offer, you know, food clothing, shelter. So the community was, you know, really vibing. And then they pitted the community against each other with the looting because the first stories that were coming out was like, yeah, due to the looting, um, babies in the communities that were hardest hit by the storm, they're going to be without milk. So then you had the community which had came together, braved the storm, was so thankful, everybody was so thankful of their neighbors, and everybody was like loving on each other and looking at the government and the church and everybody else like, well, where were you and what did you do? It went to, oh, well, now the people that need are mad at the people who had a present need. And uh, we had a pastor and, uh, who was also served as our council president. That's what, that, that's the, the, narrative that he put forward like you know you had all of these bad people who were out here looting and now because they're looting now you know nobody can find milk and I'm like well people had an immediate need so he put the people who had an immediate need and and kind of pitted them against the people who were coming into needing, and that's kind of where you know I had to interject and, and 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 speak out in terms of, you know, the looting. It, and I said, you know, how can you be mad at, at people who did what they had to do to survive and still mourn the dead? Like everybody's putting up these rest in peace um, signs and everything. And I'm like, well, how are you putting up a rest in peace sign when if people had not looted, there would be more people who would have perished as either a direct result of the storm or people who perished simply because they were trapped in their houses. And not only did they not have the ability to get out and get anything, they didn't even have loved ones who could get to them to give them anything. So like if you were a shut-in and you you know, you know, had to, to, to literally depend on your neighbor, so it was just a wonderful opportunity to kind of polarize the community and get us on one accord so that we could understand like who is really for us. Like we had all of these people on Jefferson. Where are they now? Like we had all these people protesting in the street about a George Floyd. Like he he didn't even live in this state, but we have all of these bodies on the East side of Buffalo and we don't, we don't have anybody in the, in, in the streets. We don't have anybody questioning So we started a protest. I started a left for dead protest and I've been protesting and, you know, I've been accosted by the police. I mean, it's just absolutely ridiculous because they don't even want to interject that narrative, that thought into the community. Like they don't want to give the community the opportunity to tell their own story because the story makes everyone look really really really, really bad, and they're going into an election year where everybody has to look really 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 good.
8: you know one thing that I was wondering sister um uh, and all that you you you've updated us on and especially from from May um through to you know december um and and the and the observations and the participation that you've been involved in, and you know, in seeing you know the people and being, as, uh, as Elliot said, uh, organizer. I was wondering, um, what what is the successes that you you have felt with these two major catastrophes, one man-made and one made by nature, um, as a as an organizer um, in the community? What, what are you know from May to now? Um, you know what you know the, what is the joy that you um uh, you' you uh can share um that that inspires you to continue to 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 do this kind of work and 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 even um with these challenges that you see and you're experiencing and and, and uh, you know you uh, know that that is happening um what would you say is the successes that you
9: well, the successes that, that I've had is that we have more people that are in the community that are questioning the narratives that are being put forward, that are questioning um, the roles that these politicians hmm. are, are really playing in the struggles of the community. They're questioning these um, nonprofits. They're starting to question um all of the free items that were being given, and um the various agendas that they're pushing in the community to keep everybody comfortable as they are being displaced so that is like the 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 major um a major win that I see for the community because um For a community that's in the state that we're in, it's really, really big because we're extremely poor. So that means that people really don't have the time to research. People don't really have the time to question. So when you have people that are really starting to say, you know what, I never really thought about it that way. (laughs) And you're absolutely right. And people starting to say, yeah, why wasn't the church open and why didn't we have warming center? Because that means that these politicians and, and these nonprofits and, and these governments and their partners and affiliates, they're starting to feel uncomfortable as they should. Like the, the level of comfortability that everyone who is um, who's who, who, who is pimping our poverty um, so to speak, their level of comfortability is just—it's really unnerving. Like to the extent, it, but it—but when you're poor, you just need—you know—you need to make it through tonight. Hmm. Like a lot of the solutions that we really need are not immediate. They don't address our immediate needs. So sometimes we sacrifice the long-term solution because we need to make it through the night. And when people are starting to want to to, to walk that hard road, then, then we're winning because you have people who are, are are willing to question. You have people who are willing to voice. Like, we don't have the, the the biggest, one of our biggest challenges is that we don't control our own image and we can't tell our own stories. And we don't know our history because if we knew our history and we were, we had the ability to tell our own stories, we would start realizing patterns
10: and mm-hmm. themes
9: and they wouldn't be able to continue to pull the wool over our eyes. So, you know, that. the the true revolution is going to take place in our minds because we have the power, but if we're not applying it, what good is having it? You know, it's like when we teach financial literacy, what good is being financially literate if you
13: don't have a bank
9: opportunity to use that knowledge.
8: You know, it is, it's interesting that that I see that as a big push right now, financial literacy. At the same time they say well we don't have no money to be to be fine to be managing, you know. But but with that that truth, if I may ask ask you this, um, um, again, you know, taking this time period from May to, to, to now, um, have their view um personally um experienced any quote unquote younger person coming to you with that Questioning that you mentioned, um, that you could say that that may have been because of these two events. Um, that 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 may want to be the kind of support that any organizer would would love to have. Has there any been any young people kind of um, that you've interacted over the time this 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 period? Yes, and and the
9: the the. The biggest issue is is that they the the young people they are they have the ability to kind of see through all of this
0: mm-hmm.
9: and and they're willing to do whatever it takes and and that's a wonderful thing, but they don't vote like some of the things that you know we need young people you know they're very much interested and they're very much it's hard to fool them but we need to be able to direct them better and it's hard to reach the young people because of, you know, the, the state of poverty that we're in. So I I think it's, you know, we are seeing a lot of black entrepreneurship with our younger people. So it is, it is, it gives a, a lot of energy to the movement that, you know, we have younger people who are not, you know, they're not willing to sacrifice their community to make a dollar. They're out here, you know, pushing their own businesses. You see, um, we have a lot of, of young entrepreneurs. They're using social media to to create their own opportunities. So I'm seeing like a great opportunity in and, in and, and our ability to to push forward through the struggle. But I also see that they're being held back because they are young. You know, they they, they want to do, they want to participate, and this is where these nonprofits and these churches and these other people are and well, other partners and affiliates of the government are kind of usurping and and and, and catering to the things that they like with these programs to kind of get them to put their efforts and energies with these nonprofits and and with, you know, the people who are playing a very key role in our struggle and in our demise. So, you know, that's the issue with the young people is like these these older people and they don't want to change the guards. And then you have the, the older people who are, they're very comfortable in their position, which is why the mayor won on a write-in, Because a lot of people don't understand that when, when you usher in a new mayor, all of those jobs at City Hall, they get turned over too. So he's been in office for 16 years. You have people who need to put in 20 to retire. So he kind of walked back in the office because people needed their jobs so that they could retire. It wasn't a referendum on what type of mayor he was. It's a referendum on the fact that the rent is up. This is up. That's up. This is up. We don't have these jobs that like a lot of people, we have whole entire families, generations of families at city hall. So, You know, he's a black face, but the white money put him there. The white money put all of our Democrats in. Like, the Democrats have uh, uh, an agreement with the Republicans so that the, the Democrats run the city, the Republicans run the county, and the same money put everybody in office. So there's really no opposition to the status quo. There's a lot of controlled opposition to push people where they need them to go
8: thank
1: you for that. Sister Simmons, I want to thank you for being with us this evening, giving us an update on uh, what has been going on in Buffalo with our brothers and sisters up there. Uh, Again, and just like you, uh, you contacted me and reached out, you know, I send you stuff periodically on what we're doing. I just want to just reiterate to you, again, the door is always open. When you want to come back, let us know what's going on, share the information so other people can hear it around the country and to get active that that's what you're uh, suggesting now that, that, that we become involved, but two things that she mentioned, Richard, and we talk about it constantly on the program, but that's why I asked her that because she's out there organizing. When I asked her the the biggest challenges that she faces and she said, controlled opposition. And I assume that she's saying the controlled opposition that look like us. Yes. Mm Hmm. And being informed, that's one of the things that we try to do in this program. That's why we keep stressing to people. It's not like some of our people got the impression that we just can't get it right. We ain't going to never get it right. But it's not that. It's that it, it, in my eyes, the problem is a lot of our people are not informed to what is going on. And especially what these politicians that look like them are doing. They have no clue. Mm. So I that's why I wanted your perspective on that, uh, Sister Simmons as a uh a woman that's involved in her city and organizing that ran for political office, that the people recognize and know you for your work. Not because you you're popular or walking around in the community with uh uh with the uh, jewels and, and and furs and this, that and the other. They know you for your work. So that's why I wanted to to get a community organizers perspective on the challenges and and you, and you expressed them.
9: Uh, thank you. I just want to thank you so much for just giving a voice to the people. We have to be in a position to tell our own story and nobody ever wants us to tell our own story from our own perspective because it will, it will ring through a lot of truth and it will confirm a lot of information for a lot of people and have people asking questions and people getting involved in, a, you know, action.
1: Sister Simmons, before I let you go, uh, something you mentioned to Richard, and I just want you to kind of help me clear it up. When you said that, when Richard asked you, was there any young people kind of getting involved with you in your city, and you said yes, but you said one of the problems is, they don't vote now are you saying that they might be too young to vote or they're old enough but just don't vote
9: they're old enough but they just don't vote okay like they're very active in terms of being hands-on in the community and being present but not are uh, uh, in terms of going out and and voting and understanding that whole game, okay. so that they're vote accordingly.
1: And see, and it's, and and listen, that's what we try to do on this program, not to encourage people to vote. Some of these, especially some of these black politicians, encourage other people to vote because they're political entrepreneurs and they just want to keep going further in government. We need to use this as a tool because. We can put people in office that that we cultivate out of the community that has the community's best interest at heart and to use resources to help the community. That's why we need people to run or to run for these seats and especially these, these local seats. I'm not talking about no state office and, and national office where you gotta get all these white votes and, and some of our people when they got a kid to white folks, they just lose their mind. I'm talking about some of these localities where we can control the narrative. We need people in these offices that have the community's best interest at heart, not special interests.
9: Right. So you see how there's always uh, uh, programming to encourage you to vote, there's never any programming encouraging you to run.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah,
1: (laughs) sister. (laughs) I want to thank you for being with us this evening. And again, the door is always open to you.
9: All right. I want to thank you guys so much for having me. Be safe and have a good evening.
1: Talk to you soon. Take care
9: now. You too. Bye-bye.
1: Richard. Yes. Yes. She laid it out. Uh, You know, I, I didn't realize the seriousness of what was going on up there in Buffalo. Mm-hmm. because there's only a couple of blurbs that hit the news, sure that looting and all did hit the news and mm-hmm. the only tragedy I heard was about the young lady that was that was buried alive in her car young girl twenty three years old I think she was uh, a nurse or uh, a uh, 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 either l p n or registered nurse at the hospital, and either she was sent home or because you know if you were at a hospital richard i don't know why they would send you home mm
0: mm-hmm.
1: You know, in that type of situation, but you heard what, uh, what Sister Simmons was saying. Some of these places, when they lost power, they just sent people home. But, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I'm glad that yeah. she was on with us tonight to kind of give us, uh, uh, details on what's going on in the community up there. Go ahead. What'd you say?
8: You know, there's two things in relationship to, you know, the community, and, and, and both of you answered it. because I, I have to say the the description she gave. In um in relationship to the evictions and the uh, effect of the storm, um in the you know I, I don't listen to um you know commercial radio or or you know TV or or to to a degree even um the internet um streaming services, and I have to say, but that doesn't mean that when Kanye or these other things happen, that I don't hear about it. Matter of fact hear about it, people, black folks, talking about it, what's that, in nause- nauseam. But this here, I have to say, I didn't really hear. I mean, I might not be in that circle, that community information circle, but I didn't really hear black folks speaking about this. You know what I mean? Like, this this is an environmental, and she kept bringing up the poverty, environmental um, challenge that affects poor black people and then see that there's a class uh, consciousness. I mean, how could a minister say what, what did that fool say? I mean, excuse me. What did he say something about like, well, what, what that mean? I would have to be there
1: too. I know it. <laughs> what kind of, uh, boy, I'm telling you, he don't see no problem in being there on a Sunday, Richard.
8: When, <laughs> yeah, it, you know, it, when it's time to go that I mean, that
1: plate, get passed around.
8: I, I, so, this, this, but, I, but she also said in relationship to, you know, the May, Byron, you know, which is, is critical for us to understand. And I think even for those young people who, um, and, and as you always advocate, to be able to understand in relationship to the electoral process, that how many people are, are, are in these jobs, patronage, party jobs, that that's the only economic survival that they have. Hmm. And that dictates, even for somebody who isn't good for the community, being able to get put in, even by with white folks' support. I mean, this, this that was classic.
1: Yeah. yeah. The
8: people voted somebody in, and you can get white money to do a write-in ballot and win. And then people are somewhat satisfied as the people who are in already, because you know who they would voted for, right? <laughs> okay. What she's saying is they're two years away from their pension. And she at the same time saying, I mean, when you can evict 37, and we're looking in Philadelphia in the Sharsware area when she said that, because they, they evicted a whole community there right and put them you know scattering i mean you can you can do that in 2022 that's no joke and we don't have no public outcry about that kind of crime that kind of brutality in the public discussion ain't no uh uh what's his name you know skinny face uh uh what's his name sharpton flying in on a helicopter you know in his suit, you know, setting up a podium on the snow, on the snow talking about this is some injustice.
1: Yeah, because it, it would point fingers at some of his friends that's in political office. It's the, just, it's the, just, the, the Meekses, the Jeffries, yeah. it will point the fingers at them. I mean, this is, this is, well, listen, you heard her say the two biggest challenges. And plus she mentioned Richard about understanding history and knowing what we're dealing with. She said that. Mm -hmm. And that's one thing. We got to understand history. We got to understand the moves, these people that we're dealing with, that we've been, that we've been here with ever since we were enslaved and what they're doing, how they move, how they operate. We got to understand that because listen, they spend time studying you. We don't spend enough time studying them. They try to dictate your moves. She made a good point when she said they ain't trying to really murder anybody anymore. They'll just, uh, you know, kind of incorporate them. Mm
8: -hmm.
1: And, you know, Richard, she mentioned about money coming into Buffalo to all these nonprofits. You heard her say that? Yeah. Yeah. Now, when she said that, you know what my mind went to, Richard? What Which you just sent me the other day. That uh, the representative here, CBC member oh, yeah. Evans, <laughs> oh,
0: yeah.
1: Yeah. he sent out a press release that $16.5 million is coming into the black community. And he mentioned, you see all them non-profits that's mentioned right. up there. Right. N- none of that money is going to get to the people that need it. None of it.
8: If so- I, see, I see some of those things, and I'm saying, well... A lot of these things ain't really black community directed. That's what I'm saying. I mean, what
1: the hell? See, this is what the the cover got to be pulled off of these people, man. I'm telling you. Our people would wake up if they realized what's going on. But some of our people are caught up, and Sister Simmons mentioned it tonight. You know, they, 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 they're they trying to make ends meet. They, you know, it's, it's a lot of challenges facing our people. Right. So they don't realize what's going on. And it always reminds me of that old movie when the, the, I was a young kid, that Hearts. Everybody mm. seen the fire and the brimstone and the, and the heavy voice. Oh, and they thought he was powerful until they went back there and pulled the curtain back. And it was a little guy pulling levers. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I had to, to add this,
8: Elliot. It had to be old Toto, the dog. You, know? <laughs> you run up there like, wait a minute, dog! Yeah, you know, all of you, you, all of you other fools, straw man, woman, girl, <laughs> <the> dog, <laughs> dog. They like, shit. Let me pull it back. <laughs> and then all the rest of them have been shot. <laughs> what?
1: <laughs> yeah, well. <laughs> Yeah. Well, listen. Um, I'm looking forward to the discussion Sunday, Richard. I think it's gonna be uh, it's gonna be educating. Put it that way for the listening audience.
8: Continue to develop the, the, our our political understanding of how to really, from the organizing and and the issues that we carry, um, and, and 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 there's some understanding of what is it that we're really trying to achieve. You know. Yes, I think it definitely. Um, it's going to be, it's, it's going to be um, informative and hopefully uh, more lessons that um, we can extrapolate from it in order to help us for those who are out here actually doing the work and those who are potential to do the work. Um, help us be able to make choices in the areas we are of what we can do based off of what people are doing. Before we leave
1: tonight, I just want to let you know tomorrow uh, from 7 to 9 p.m., the elders of Sankofa with host Dr. Janine James will be on from 7 to 9 on time for An Awakening Media. And then time for An Awakening is back on Sunday from 7 until, excuse me, I want to thank everybody for listening to the program this evening. Loudly discussion as always, and we'll be back on Sunday, Lord willing, to continue on this path towards an awakening. Peace.
8: Peace.
0: If you're driving through the country on a lazy afternoon Or you're watching your children i okay.